In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I like to wish you all a very blessed and happy Epiphany Feast. And when our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in Jordan River, at the hands of John the Baptist, the Holy Trinity was manifested. That's why we call this feast Theophania. Theo means God, as we say, Agios o Theos. Phania means manifestation. So we call it the manifestation of God. It is called Theophany or Theophania because the triune. God was manifested on that day. Tri means three. Yun, united. So usually we refer to the Holy Trinity by the word triune. Tri, three, yun, united. Three in one. As you know in the story of the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father spoke from the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And God the Son was in the Jordan River, being baptized by John the Baptist. And God the Holy Spirit appeared as a dove, alighting on the head of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the purpose of this lecture is to understand the Trinity. And then how can we apply it in our life? What the message that God wants me to have when he revealed himself to us as triune God, three in one? First thing, we need to speak about the essence of God. The essence of God is the same. For example, I can say the essence of this Mangalaya is wood. And let me assume this table is made of wood. So I say, and the essence of this table also is wood. And the essence of Al Masura at the end would also. So here the essence is the same. This is made of wood, this is made of wood, these are made of wood. But there are three hypostases or three persons. So we have the Father and we have the Son and we have the Holy Spirit. These are three hypostases or three persons, but they are contained in each other. As the Son said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's why they are three in one. God is triunity or tri-hypostatical 
or Trinity one in essence. Essence in Greek means Osiya. So we can say, and, and when you read the early church father, you will read this term frequently. Three hypostases in one person, or one Osiya, sorry. One Osiya in one essence. Three hypostases in one essence, in one Osiya. What hypostasis means? Hypostasis is one of the words that caused actually confusion a little bit. Because literally, literally, hypo means a sub. Stasis means a substance. So some people understood hypostasis means substance. But substance is the essence. But the word hypostasis did not refer to the essence, but it refers to what makes each person of the Holy Trinity is unique from one another. For example, if we have three persons here, George, Mark, and Mina. I can say the Usiyah, the essence is the same. The three are human beings. But each one has his own hypostasis, his own personality that make him unique. But the difference in the example I'm giving, these three persons are separated from each other. And their existence does not depend on the others. But when I speak the three hypostases of God, I need to understand two things. They are not, they are not uh, separate from each other. They are contained in each other. And the other point, they cannot exist without the two others. If, if God, the Father, is not there, hy hy hypothetically, then there is no God. You know what I mean? So these two elements very important. They are one because they are contained in each other. And the theological word is called perichoresis. If, if just you want to know this word. Perichoresis means they are contained in each other. And the existence, yeah, the Father cannot be the Father without the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Son cannot be the Son without the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot be the Holy Spirit without the Father and the Son. So, hypostasis have personal or hypostatic attributes. For example, the Father is unbegotten and also unproceeded. Uh, Yesterday in the fraction of the 
of the epiphany. Somebody actually called me and told me there is uh, something wrong in the fraction of the epiphany. We read in the fraction of the epiphany at the end, we say that we may dare without fear to cry out to you who are uncreated without beginning and unbegotten. So actually somebody told me how we say unbegotten. We say in the creed begotten from the begotten not created. So this is a mistake. So what do you think? It's a mistake or not? Is it? Is wrong? It's right. Right, why? Bravo Alec, yes. Here, he is talking about God the Father, God the Holy Father. Who is begotten is the Son, not the Father. Right? So, when we speak to God the Father, we tell him, you are uncreated, without beginning, and unbegotten. Yes, he is unbegotten. The Son is begotten, but the Father is unbegotten. That is what we call hypostatic attribute. It's a very unique character of the Father, that he is unbegotten, not like the Son. Master of everyone, God the Holy Father. The Son, what is very unique about the Son, that he is begotten from the Father. The Holy Spirit is not begotten from the Father, and the Father is unbegotten. And what is very unique about the Holy Spirit, he proceeds from the Father. One person asked St. Athanasius, what is the difference between begotten, which is called filiation, and proceeds, which is called spiration? So St. Athanasius told him, if you can explain to me how Jesus was born from a virgin without uh, losing her virginity and without seed of man, I will explain to you the difference between filiation and inspiration, which means it's a mystery. We don't know. That why we call about the Son begotten and about the Holy Spirit proceeds? That's revelation. That's what God revealed to us. This is the language that God used in the scripture. So we repeat the language even if we don't understand what begotten means and what proceeds mean. So this revelation of the triune God exalts Christianity without comparison above any confession of simple monotheism such as, for example, in Islam. In Islam, they believe in one God, and that's it. But in Christianity, the revelation of God to us, again, we did not make this up. We did not make it up. But God revealed 
to himself, himself to us, a three hypostases in one usiya, that's why you believe in the Holy Trinity. And the only religion in the whole world that has this revelation is Christianity. Why this revelation is important? Because it indicates the fullness of the mystical inward life on God. What does it mean? Mystical inward life in God. Means God even before the creation there is life, there is interaction, there is dynamic between the three persons of the Holy Trinity. For example, love. Love, if God is only one, then love did not exist. And it will be that love exists when God created the world. But we cannot say the love of God existed only when he created us. And if God is two only, not three, then it is like of a selfish love. Because I love you only and you love me only. But because God is triune, three in one, so this love is unconditional, selfish. It extends to more than one and now it extends to the whole world. So after the creation, nothing new was added to God. Love existed in the mystical inward life in God. So for example, in the Holy Trinity, this love is directed within the divine life also, between the three uh, hypostasis, as we read in John chapter 17, the Lord spoke about the love between him and the Father, even before the foundation of the world. Also the Trinity indicate the closeness of God to the world. How come? We know God is above us. He's in the heaven of heavens. But in the incarnation, when the Son of God became man, then we have God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And in the Pentecost, when God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell where? In us, you are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So God is not far from us. Yes, he is above us, but he is with us. As we say in our hymns, Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst with the glory of his Father and the Holy Spirit. And not only with us, but inside us, within us, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. In other uh, confessions and religions, they don't have this closeness 
they speak only about God who is very, very high and away from them. But God is close to us. It's not away from us. So God above us, the ever-flowing source, God the Father, the foundation of all being, and the Father of mercies and compassion. God with us is God the Son, who for the sake of divine love has manifested himself to men as man, so that we might know and see with our own eyes that God is with us. And until now, we see him on the altar. We, there is a hymn called the Pioik at the end of the Divine Liturgy, means the bread of life. In this hymn, there are beautiful two verses. Of course, all of it is beautiful. But we say in this hymn, the Sharubim and the Seraphim stand around you and cannot behold you because with two wings they cover their faces. But we behold you every day on the altar. Because behold, Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table, as we say in one of the fractions. Also, God is in us by his power and grace. The Holy Spirit, who fills all things, who is giver of life, treasury and source of good things. Treasury and source of good things. The three persons are not just simply form or isolated manifestation or attributes or activities or powers. Let me tell you some heresies. Some people think that in the Old Testament we called him God the Father. Then in incarnation we called him the Son. Then after Pentecost we called him the Holy Spirit. Is God three, the Trinity, three names to one being? No, it is heresy, called the heresy of Sibelius. Some people, when they try to explain the Trinity, they say, you know, it's like the water and ice and vapor. Can we say that is Trinity? No, it's a heresy. Because these are three forms for the same thing. So we don't say that the three hypostases are three forms or three manifestations in the Old Testament, in the Incarnation, in the New Testament. Or three activities or three attributes, just activity, power. No, each one is being, as we say in the creed, true God of true God, true God of true God. So the three persons are contained in the very unity of God's essence. So the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, three hypostases contained in each other. The three persons are unique 
in the hypostatical attributes. As I told you, the Father is unbegotten. The Son is begotten. And the Holy Spirit is proceeding. This is what we call the hypostatic attribute. But any other attribute of the divine essence, all of them, they share in it. Love, intelligence, uh, wisdom, power. So, this table is a unique table to make you understand what what we say about the hypostatic attributes and the divine attribute. So what is the hypostatic attribute about the Father, which is very unique? Paternity. He is the Father. I cannot say about the Son, He is Father. I cannot say about the Holy Spirit, the Father. So paternity is very unique about God the Father. That's hypostatic attribute. Not apply to the Son or the Holy Spirit. And what is the unique about the Son? Filiation. Filiation means begotten, born. So what makes the Son unique? That he is begotten from the Father before all ages. And what is very unique about the Holy Spirit? We call it spiration. Inspiration means the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. In John chapter 15, we read, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. In the 11th century, the Roman Catholic Church said, no, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And this caused a great schism between East and the West. Because the East, all Orthodox churches refused this addition. And it's called the filioque, because son means, uh, in Latin, uh, filioque. So to add that the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father and the Son, why we did not uh, accepted. Number one, it's not written in the scripture. Number two, when we say Holy Spirit proceeds from Father and Son, then the Son shares with the Father in paternity. Right? But we said paternity is very unique to the Father only. Right? That's why the church did not accept this addition. That's why until now when we say the creed, we say, who proceed from the Father. These are attributes, divine attributes, regarding the essence of God. So, truth, wisdom, love, life, might, prudence, and I can go with list more and more. This is not only the divine attributes, definitely unlimited. So, the three hypostases share in these attributes. Father is the Father of eternity. So, He is the true one. 
What is born from the true one? The truth. And how he communicate the truth? Through what? The spirit of truth. Wisdom. God the Father is the source. So he is the wise. And from the wise, what is begotten from him? Wisdom. And now this wisdom is communicated through the spirit of wisdom. Love. So, God the Father is the lover. And who is begotten from the lover? Love. And who is, how this love is communicated or proceeding through the spirit of love? Life. The Father is the living one. From him life is begotten and the spirit of life proceeds. He is the mighty one. Might is begotten from him and the spirit of might proceeds from him. He is the prudent one. From him prudence is begotten and the spirit of prudence proceeds. Do you understand? So now we understand the difference between the hypostatical attribute and the divine attribute. So, hypostatical attribute, very unique about the Father and very unique about the Son, very unique about the Holy Spirit. But the, the um, divine attributes, all of them, they share in the divine attributes. Is there any evidence of the Holy Trinity in the Bible? Yes, definitely. In Hebrew language, by which the Old Testament is written, there is no using of plural, plural for a singular. In Arabic, if I want to magnify myself, I can refer to myself in plural. For example, the king of Egypt used to say, Nahnu galalatil malik farooq. Nahnu means we, also he's one person, but he's referring to himself, Nahnu. But this, not in the Hebrew language. So, if you find plural, in the Hebrew language, then it is plural. It is more than one. In Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us, not let me, make man in our image, after our likeness. Genesis 3.22, and the Lord is, God said, behold, Adam is become as one of us as one of us, so more than one, to know good and evil. In Psalm 2, 7, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. 
God the Father is speaking to the Son and telling him, you are my son. Today or this day I have begotten you. By the way, this day, which day? The filiation of the Son from the Father is ongoing process. It did not happen one day and then ended. Like how the light comes from the sun. It is ongoing process. How the heat comes from the sun. It is ongoing process. So the word this day, it's not referring to one day. It refers to eternity to eternity. So any day, God says to the sun, today I have begotten you. This day. Because it is ongoing process. Here in Psalm 33, verse 6, we have reference to the Holy Trinity. By the word, the Son, of the Lord, the Father, were the heavens established, and all the might of them by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of His mouth. So here we can see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in this verse. Psalm 142, 12. Your good spirit shall lead me in the land of uprightness. Your is speaking to the Father. Good spirit refers to the Holy Spirit. So here, the psalmist addressing the Father and saying to the Father, Your spirit shall lead me in the land of righteousness. Again, Isaiah 48, 16, the Holy Trinity. The Lord God, that is the Father, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has sent me the Son. The Father and the Son has sent me. Of course, there are many verses, but you know, not overall me with many verses. The Holy Trinity in the New Testament. The Lord said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, not in the names, in the name, because the three are one, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three in one. John 15, 26, that is the verse about the procession of the Holy Spirit. But when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I, I, the Son, will send unto you from the Father, the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father, He, the Holy Spirit, shall testify of me, the Son. Here, two words I like to differentiate, sending and proceeding. Sending and proceeding. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. But procession of the Holy Spirit from the Father. That's why in our theological dialogue with the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church, we say to them, you are confusing sending and procession. Sending is act in time. 
happened in the time, in the day of Pentecost. But procession is eternal. Who sent the Son, the, who sent the Holy Spirit the Son? But the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from whom? From the Father. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the benediction that you hear it when it comes to the church, the grace of God the Father, sorry, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And this is a benediction that Abuna usually uses when he dismisses the people. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, one of the very important verses, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Also in the early church fathers, the early church fathers spoke about the Holy Trinity. Saint Athanasius said, neither can we imagine three substances separated from each other. I told you substance, sub means hypostance, means stasis, so hypostasis, not three essence. So Saint Athanas is saying, these three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are not separate from each other. As a result from their bodily nature, in case of men, as the example I give you, George, Mark, and Mina, they are separate from each other. But if we believe in three gods like this, then we hold a plurality of gods like the heathen, who actually believed in more than one god. But the example that Asanasius gave is beautiful. He said, just as a river produced from the well, so there is a well or a spring, and the river is begotten from this well. And the river is not separated from the well. And yet there are, in fact, two visible objects and two names. We see a river and we see well. So in the same way, there is Son and the Father, not separate from each other, but there is Father and Son, two names and two hypostases. Do you remember when I told you two things different when I speak about three persons like George, Mina, and uh, Mark, and Father, Son, Holy Spirit? I told you, number one, they are not separate. Number two, Father has no existence without the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Son is not God without the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's what Son Asanas said. For neither is the Father... Ah, the Father is not the Son, nor the Son is the Father. They are distinguished from each other. For the Father is the Father of the Son, and the Son, Son of the Father. So these are not three names for the same being. For like as the well is not the river, nor the river a well, but both are one and the same water, which is conveyed in a channel from the well to the river. 
The will is not the river. The river is not the will. These are two, but one. So the father deity passes into the son without flow and without division. Without flow means not like how the water flows from the well to the river. So the divinity of the father passes into the son, but without flowing. We, we don't imagine there is flow or without division. And San Asanasius says, for the Lord says in John chapter 16, 28, I came out from the father and I'm come. So the son came from the father, begotten from the father. For he is ever, the son is ever with the father. For he is in the bosom of the father. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. Not was ever the bosom of the father void of the deity of the son. We cannot imagine that any moment that the bosom of the father was void from the son. And let's speak a little bit about filiation and inspiration, begotten and proceeds. So the specific relationship of the son to the father from whom is begotten, precisely as son, is quite different from the relationship of the spirit like breath proceed from his mouth. So the fathers emphasized that the filiation of the son from the father is different from the separation from the fa- of the Holy Spirit from the father. But what is the difference? We don't know. And they say the son drives from the father or is begotten from the father in a way appropriate to the son as son by generation or filiation. And the spirit drives from him, from the father, in a way appropriate to the spirit as a spirit by procession or inspiration. So we can say, the son unoriginally begotten What does mean unoriginally begotten? He is not originated, but he is born from the Father. And the Spirit unbegottenly proceeding, the Spirit is proceeding from the Father and not begotten from the Father. Both quite ineffably. We don't comprehend them. But the Father, paternity, he is also unbegotten and unproceeding. So the father is without generation and with or origin, origination is one principle or origin and cause of the son and the spirit. He, the father is the father, paternity. From him the son is begotten and the Holy Spirit proceeds. Also, there is no 
interval of existence, time or space between them, nor after or before. We cannot say because the son is begotten from the father, so there is interval. Like when you lit a, a, a candle, in the same time that you have the fire, in the same time there is light, in the same time there is heat. There is no interval. There is no before or after. And the one essence is not disturbed by the distinction of the persons. Not because there are three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then we can say the usiya, the, the essence of the, the, of the divinity of God is disturbed. And also, the three hypostases are not confused with each other, not confounded with each other because of the one usiya. Because of one essence. I know it's a little bit difficult, but uh, what's easy is coming. <laughs> but let me stop here. If you have any questions so far about what I said, if you need me to repeat in a slide again. Yes. So you're saying there are different roles? Like the paternity of the father would be, if you consider that to be a role, and then the sonship of the son. We don't use actually new terminology, okay. but we use the terminology that was used by the church fathers. So they did not speak about roles, but they spoke about hypostatical attributes. Attributes means like a characteristic. You know, so what is unique? What is the very unique attribute about the father is paternity. What is the very unique attribute about the son is filiation. What is the first uh, unique attribute, uh, very unique attribute about the Holy Spirit is the procession. So uh, we, uh, we like actually to adhere to the terminology that was used, used by the early church fathers. Okay. And then uh, with, it, you said there was a continuous, uh, like there was an ongoing process with the begotten of uh, the Son and then the affiliation of, or the proceeding of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Is that kind of, I think you mentioned at the end, is that why there was no interval in the, in the, the existence of the, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Like, I think you said that something like there was no interval or there was no... Delay. There is no interval, yes. Meaning the Father did not exist and then after some time the Son was born from Him. That's why I mean there is no interval. That's why when we speak about the affiliation of the Son and the procession of the Holy Spirit, there is no interval. There is no before or after. Like, like I told you when you lit a candle, in the same time, or, or a lamp, in the same time, what happens? You will have the uh, light comes, 
and the heat comes, there is no interval. You don't let the lamp, and after a few seconds, you see the light, and after a few seconds, the heat comes in the same moment. In, so there is no interval between the three. Okay? Yes? And so just to make sure, it would be wrong to think that the Trinity only started whenever Jesus was incarnated. Absolutely. Okay. So just He's begotten from the Father before all ages. Okay. Don't you see this the creed? Mm -hmm. So the Trinity exists from eternity to eternity. Mm -hmm. So what do you call it whenever Jesus was incarnated? Like, what do you say? The second hypostasis, the Son mm -hmm. became man. Okay. So these three hypostases existed from before all ages. In the fullness of time, the Son incarnated and became man. Okay. That's why I, I, I got you some verses from the Old Testament about the Trinity. Clear? Any other questions? Okay. Now, the most important question is, Okay, now we know God is triune God. But what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? So, what's my relationship with the Holy Trinity? This is a beautiful part and it's easy. When the son came, he introduced himself as what? The bridegroom? Right? In, in the parable of the wise virgins and foolish virgins, he said he is the bridegroom. And we read also, St. Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, I betrothed you to present to Christ a chaste uh, virgin. And we read in the book of Revelation, the supper of the wedding of the bridegroom. So the son is the bridegroom. Who is the bride? Us. So we are the bride. So there is a marriage. And any marriage should be performed by a, a priest, right? So who performed the marriage between the son and the church? The Holy Spirit. It is done by the Holy Spirit. Where? In the sacrament of the church. Or more accurately, we call it in Greek, mysterion, and in English, mysteries. I know all of us, we know the seven sacraments. Sacraments mean something secret, but mysterion is more accurate. It's a mystery. Mystery. So, how the Holy Spirit performed this marriage? Number one, we are born with original sin, with corrupted nature, we are sinful. In marriage, the two shall become one. So can you imagine that the two, I, become one with Christ, while I have the corrupted nature, the original sin, and with my sinful nature? Absolutely not. I cannot be one with Christ this way. So, let me speak about an adult. 
not a child, an adult. Adult who is not Christian. So the Holy Spirit, in the sacrament of repentance and confession, the Holy Spirit purifies and cleanses this person from the sins. In order to make this person a suitable and bright for the Son. And that is the importance of the sacrament of repentance and confession. Like in John twenty, the Lord breathed in the face of the holy disciples and told them. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So now this person who want to become one with Christ, and now I'm speaking about a non-Christian person, comes and the first thing, he repents and confesses. Then his sins are forgiven. But is this enough? No. Still he has a corrupted nature. So the second step is baptism. And it let the infant, because there is no confession, will start with baptism. In baptism, we are born again of water and spirit. This old man dies and buried. And now I born again from the Spirit. As the Lord said to Nicodemus in John 3, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, he who, unless you are born again of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So I am born with a new nature. No corruption. No original sin. And I put the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. Conclusion chapter 3 verse 10. So now I am a new person created in the water of baptism after the image of God who created me. I'm, I'm explaining how the Holy Spirit doing the marriage, the union, between me and Christ, between the bridegroom and the bride. In the sacrament of confirmation, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. As we read in 1 Corinthians 3.16, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit. That's why Abuna, at the end of anointing the person, he breathed in him and tell him, receive the Holy Spirit and be a vessel for the Holy Spirit. By doing this, our members, our members become the members of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, St. Paul says, We are of his bones and of his flesh. And in his letter to Corinthians, when he spoke about adultery, he said, Should I take the members of Christ 
and make them members of a harlot. So when actually I sin, as if I am taking the members of Christ and making them members of a harlot. Then in communion, Abuna, when he calls the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descend on the bread, wine, and on us. In this prayer, Abuna said, send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon the elements, the bread and wine. To change the elements, the bread and wine, into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And to make us one with Christ. As we read in John chapter 6, 56, He who eats my body and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So in confession and repentance, the Holy Spirit washing me, preparing me for the marriage. In baptism, I get rid of the old man and now a new creation. In chrismation, Holy Spirit abides in me and make my organs the organs of Christ. In communion, Christ abides in me and I in him. So this is the betrothal. But the consummation of marriage will happen in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So now we took the pledge of the wedding. But the consummation of the marriage will happen in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then through this marriage, we become one with Christ. Okay. But Christ is the Son of the Father. If I am one with Christ, then we are children of the Father. Jesus or the Son is by nature. He's begotten from the Father for all ages. But we by adoption. Right? That's why in Romans chapter 8, St. Paul says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Our relationship with God is not relation of slaves to a master. But you received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, now I can call God Father, our Father who are in heaven. I can call him Abba, Abba, Dad, my Father. How I can call him? Because now I am one with the Son. In Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If there is a couple who is married and Abuna performed the marriage of them and then somebody came and say to the bride, why are you living with this man? Abuna says, he is, uh, she is his wife. I married them. 
So Abuna, because he, he performed the wedding, he bears witness. In the last day, Satan will object and say, how can you inherit the kingdom of God? So the Holy Spirit will answer, they are the children of God, and children are eligible for inheritance. He said, no. Satan will say, no. There is only one son of God for God, the only begotten son. But the Holy Spirit, you say, yes, but I married the son to them. They are his bride. So they are one with him. They are children. That's what he said in Romans 8, 17. He bears witness. If we are children, then heirs. Heirs of God the Father and joint heirs with Christ through this marriage. Follow me? Okay. So, what's our relationship? We are children of God the Father. How come? Through our marriage with his only begotten son. Who did this marriage? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. Where? In the sacraments on the mysteries of the church. That's why there is no salvation without sacraments. There is no salvation outside the church. How, how, how we become son of God or daughter of God the Father? if you are not united with the Son. And how you can be united with the Son or married to the Son without the work of the Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit will work outside the sacraments of the church that God established as a channel through which we are married with the Son. That's why we read in John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him, the son as a bridegroom, he's doing proposal. I want to marry you. I want to be one with you. Some people will deny his proposal. Say, no, we don't believe in you. I, I have nothing to do with you. But some they accept his proposal. Yes, I accept your proposal to be my bridegroom. Then, to accept the proposal, then you need to submit to the Holy Spirit repentance, confession, baptism, chrismation, and communion. So as many as received him, accepted his proposal, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, who are born not according to the flesh, not according to the blood, not according to the will of man, but born of God born of God. So in conclusion, we cannot be heirs of the kingdom of God unless we are the children of the Father. We cannot be children of the Father except through our marriage with the Son. We cannot have relationship with Christ. This marriage cannot be accomplished without the work of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot receive the Holy Spirit away from the church and her mysteries. That's why there is no salvation outside the church.
Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.